1: Sitting up there, jacked Pepsi.
2: <laughs> I'm there for the pack out. Oh, you just got to pack me in.
0: Committed to the bow early on, like I loved getting close and putting up. A... You cover a range of stuff on here, too, right? Like, we call this the uh, the THP World
2: Headquarters. You know, my grandpa Roy Weatherby. I came into, like, that golden little pocket where there was, like, four or five different bowls. Just...
0: You're Canadian? We're well, doing yeah, a I... Canadian podcast. My name's Douglas Fog.
1: I'm Robbie Denning.
0: World okay. Candy
1: i'm in the middle of you're back on the podcast and you're back for your week of of doing whatever you do during the week to get ready for the weekend yeah i'm grinding man grinding like pete
3: on all fronts yeah pete yeah we're we're kind of kindred spirits i think from from what i'm hearing there
2: yeah except my hat's off to you because i'm not trying to record (laughs) mine my well i would
3: uh, yeah that's that's not something i brag about
2: that's a whole nother, uh, that's a whole nother level though. Trying to capture everything that you're doing as you're going along. Plus actually doing what everybody else is doing minus that, you know, like that's yeah, a, that's a lot of shit to do.
3: It doesn't help. Yeah. It doesn't help the hunting. It's, it's like, I, I'm, I love it, but it doesn't help. Yeah. But I, speaking of help, I did, uh, uh get a cameraman join me for the first time last weekend and and that did help i I almost felt like a hunter again um even though i was still filming quite a bit i um you know it was nice to have someone who understood uh you know shot composition and and what we needed to capture to get it done and i could just you know work on a bit of the hunting so
2: that's awesome
3: yeah, it it's is going to
2: be a bit of a, a stress relief to a certain extent. I mean, you always want to know what's on there, but yeah, it, it's it, one not,
3: not sorry. Yeah. And now that I scrubbed through like his work, yeah, it's good. It's some of it's uh better than I could uh imagine putting together myself. So it's a level up. He's just a kid and awesome, he's just hammering.
1: Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Well, Pete, Pete, he's. You've had a hard run at it as well. Both you guys fuck, have had. Fuck. It's, it's, it's not, not for lack of effort. And like, you know, the thing about like whatever it is you're doing, whatever it is you're chasing, whatever it is you're working on, it's really easy to stay motivated when things are going good. It's when, you know, you, you grind and you grind and you work hard and things still are shit but that's what i i just love that part because like i love the position that you guys are in because it's only a matter of time before it's like boom right and then it all just like a switch it just flips
3: it just just feels like it's worth it once that happens and you know it's not the first season i've been dry this deep in the mule deer but yeah it's it's funny you you kind of once you get that switch a few times, even late season, like last year was December 3rd, I think I got my mule deer. Once you realize that if you just stick with it, it'll come, uh, and you keep working, uh, there's no guarantees and you know, it, it adds pressure, like passing on four points last weekend, it gets hard because I'm trying to capture a film and I'm still wanting to achieve certain goals as a hunter. So I'm like torn, like all of a sudden one thirty five looks good okay you're you're good, but uh, but you know, you let them walk and and you just keep grinding at it, so
1: yeah, well, yeah. you've definitely been grinding both of you guys, I mean, Pete, you went hard, well, I mean, oh man, actually, yeah. you've been grinding hard since your sheep hunt
3: i I haven't stopped
1: um good hey, you've been going every weekend. When did you and start? every time, hunt? every time I talk to you, you're going hard. It's like Thursday. You're 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 back at it again. Just going, going, going. Then you come home. And then you got to deal with your other shit, right? You got to deal with life. Yep. And then you're then you're back at it again.
3: July twenty eighth. Pete. Oh wow. Flew I flew in. So you. There's been a couple weekends where I've uh, you know done soccer with the kids and you know. Got caught up with the family just to make sure uh, that that everyone knows I'm I'm still all in with my family. Um, but they they're real supportive, so that every it, it's been every weekend. You know we've had some success. That's good. I'm excited to to share those successes as I work through it. But uh, you know I still haven't um, got my personal mule deer down, so I'm just gonna keep keep grinding on that. Gone again this weekend. So
2: so when do you get to hunt mule deer till until
3: 10th. December 10th 10th, is the the closure and uh
2: for region three. For region
3: three, yeah. Yeah,
2: we're already done here. We're November 10th. Yeah, you're
3: November 10th, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. See, actually he's driving up to region three, so he can keep hunting mule deer. Gotcha. He's typically not from region three, region two, so he has to drive into it. I'm um, saying yeah. it's like, I'm actually not far from Regent three myself. It's just on the other side of the lake. I mean, it's a little ways, but. Um... Yeah.
3: I got a few camp spots up there and typically takes six to six and a half hours before I'm, uh, breaking out camp. So that usually means, you know, if I'm, if I'm leaving work, if I'm bugging out early at four o'clock, um, you know, I'm getting there just just before midnight if I, if I got camp set up by midnight that's that's a good time and, and then it's an app and it's it's hit or hard.
2: So what are you doing for camp wise then are you setting up a wall tent or are you packing your camp on your back?
3: Uh, for for winter range hunting it's uh, you know, I wall tent I have also have this Kodiak canvas tent which is pretty handy especially if I'm solo. Okay. I'll just uh break out the, the Kodiak. It's easy to set up one man and uh and I still got the wood still. It's pretty good setup. But um the last couple weekends I've been in, you know, full fledged uh wall tent. I had two guys with me the weekend before last. Um
2: and then I uh, had the cameraman with me last weekend. So nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got to especially this time of year you got to be comfortable in camp to to be going hard especially if you're pulling hours like that straight from work straight out. Well, they, the thing
1: price. is is you're limited on hours this time of the year which is really which really sucks. I mean, um it's always the case with whitetail season, you know, late late season whitetail season. Man, it's getting dark at
0: 3:30. Yeah. And
1: so, you know, you find you have a lot more camp time than you do either Time behind the glass or get into your spot or getting out of your spot so it definitely adds to the challenges as you get
2: into it later in the year yeah i'm definitely i don't okay. know about. You. i don't know about you ashley like I, i'm i'm so i'm just strictly on whitetail right now but i imagine it must be running through your head right now big time just the daylight alone and being like trying to prioritize certain areas like if you're hiking into an area it's like that's how I'm kind of running my whitetail right now. Even though I leave first thing in the morning, it doesn't take long, you know, a couple kilometers or whatever. And all of a sudden it's noon and it's like, oh shit, you only got four and a half hours or whatever left and it's dark, you know, what's your next move. So I imagine you must be, you know, especially for those high country mule deer and all that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah. I'm feeling that like I, you know, for sure, like uh, part of the, the whole plan of, sort of leaving work and knowing I'm going to be destroyed with sort of a three hour nap. And then I'm hiking in the dark out there to get the first day in. I know it gets dark early. So the Saturday night's always a recoup night, go to bed early. And then, then I'm recharged to give her full again on Sunday. But you know, it's, um, I'm lower right now. I'm only sitting at about a thousand feet in elevation in okay. the area that I've been hunting. So, and the snow line hasn't been um, conducive to that. So usually they're pushed out into the sage and and the type of ground that I'm, the breaks that I'm hunting by this time, like last year, I was seeing a hundred deer a weekend. There'd be, you know, six to 12 bucks mixed into that. And, um, you know, uh, that's not happening this year so that the the battle is you know when you when you start seeing the weekend pockets um dwindle away and the rut tapering out you know you start thinking you know do i need to push up to 1600 do i need to push up to 1800 do i need to because you know those the those aren't snow tolerant But they also won't come down the breeding does typically won't come down until that snow is going to start pushing them and then the bucks are going to follow them, even if they do head back up a little bit and belly belly drag in the snow, you know, when you're in the rut. They're going to want to come down if the does go down and they are more snow tolerant so they'll go back up for the security but. They'll chase them down. And right now they're not chasing them down because there's no reason. So uh, I'm, you know, part of me is like, okay, just stick to the plan. You know, they're gonna come, just stick to the plan. You know, you only seen 30 deer last weekend, you you know, you only seen 30 the weekend before. You've seen a lot of residents, you've seen a lot of does with fawns. So those guys are down there early. They might even have been down there for most of the year where the the feed's easy for the fawns. You know, they don't have a reason to be up high. And, yeah, it's, it's just a real mental game where you're just it, like,
1: am I doing it, the right thing? It gets to the point, though, when you start looking at the calendar and you, then you have to you have to determine whether you're going to make a move or not to go up higher after them what i mean it get you know you're you're sitting there you only have like the unfortunately the deer don't wait for us so if they're up high they're running up high they have no reason to come down then you know you you kind of gotta you kind of gotta just either make the call like it's tough too it's like well do i sit here and And weight, or do I go up into the higher, thicker stuff where, you know, it has its challenges too because the higher you get in elevation, the thicker it gets, the harder it gets, right? So it's a tough call, for sure, because, like, you're losing a lot. The higher you get, the less glass you get to use because you're getting into that thicker, more condensed topography, whereas you get down a little lower and you're into more of the flats, you can just see so much. But again, it's like, well you know like you said the rut's windling down and what do I do is like flip a coin it's like do I come down and wait do I do I stay here and wait for them to hopefully get pushed down or do I go up and chase them up there it's tough call
3: yeah it's um, I feel like a, there's other weighing sort of things on my mind about it too because when I'm trying to capture a film, as soon as you start saying thick and up yeah. high and yeah. so up high is where I love, like I, I love yeah. it. Like, let's go high, let's go hard. Let's, let's push, you know, die deep. If we got to through the, through the drifts and, and whatever. But when we start saying thick and tight, it starts to mean mm-hmm. hard to film.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, and, that, and that's where, it, and that's where it, it. Adds a whole new element of difficulty is because you're definitely limited because you're filming, and a lot of that you were self filming. You're definitely limited to the places you can go and to the areas you can push into because you're just not going to get like you get into that thick stuff, yeah, great, but it's not going to capture a good video. I'll, I'll get great,
3: thick thick stuff hikes hey i can do thick stuff hikes and 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 knee deep snow hikes hey that's that's great that looks great on film but you know capturing the actual activity of the harvest and that becomes that that's where i think on a macro level the the filming really is changing me as a hunter i'm i'm selfishly saying uh, and maybe it'll help me i'm it forces me to, to niche down in the style of hunting I do and to work areas very hard and work a variety of areas, but they, they got to tick those criteria that, you know, it's got to be filmable. It's got to be productive ground. And it forces me to then be patient to, to let the deer cooperate. But you start getting really nervous when the ruts on the taper end and, uh, you know, you're seeing some scraggle four points, uh, going through, you're just like, wow, mm-hmm. you know, you, the hunter in you definitely is just saying, no, you're, you're doing it wrong. You gotta get higher. You gotta, you know, find that snow line and then chase that 300 feet below the snow line. That's where everything's happening right now. But
0: so yeah, I, definitely. I've been,
3: I've been nerding out on desktop to, on a couple spots that I hunt to say, okay. That this is filmable. I filmed here before, so I can probably push up and, and get it done here. So, mm-hmm. but it's it's still slightly tainted, it's not just my hunter's eye that's happening. Yeah, yeah. it's one thing so, to
2: make a hunt plan to actually go out just for yourself. It's nothing I never even thought about that to make a camera plan.
3: Yeah, like, it's the whole thing's the shot listed and planned. Um, more so and more so, like the, the more I work on the production quality which is still not there in in my opinion i the more it it, the more sort of pigeonholes me to be more selective on criteria outside of hunting yeah
1: which doesn't help no for sure but yeah man it's tough it's like i i know when we were on that bear hunt i mean it it i mean it was, uh, it was kind of shitty weather when we went up and we didn't see a lot of bears. We've seen a lot of bear activity, um, but we didn't see a lot of bears on that when we went up there. But yeah, I mean, it, it definitely adds a whole new element of hunting as soon as you got a factor in like, hey, like going this way, yeah, you could go this way, but what quality of video is it going to produce in doing so? So you got to really be cognizant of like, your surroundings, angles, all that stuff, and it definitely adds a whole new element of difficulty to your hunting, especially mule deer, and mule deer in a rut, I find. Because, like, I, I I haven't hunted mule deer in a rut for a long time, so, um, you know, just hunting with a bow and just hunting in, in an area where, like, in the areas where I, I hunt, it's just... You know, I've kind of, like you said, it kind of niched down to what works for me because I'm hunting with a bow. Like, obviously, you know, I've pulled some toads out of some pretty high, nasty stuff early in the year and uh, throughout the year, actually. But it, you're never going to get in there and be able to do it with a bow. It just, like, it it just wouldn't happen. It's just too steep and too thick. And, like, you're basically glassing for days just hoping that they're going to come through an opening. And you get a picture of them so um yeah man it's uh my hat's off to you definitely you're definitely going hard so are you pete you're definitely um you guys aren't there's no lack of effort and uh from either of you that's for sure
3: well i think i i've only heard whispers of what pete's been up to but i think there's like some 10 day stints in there like there's some pretty heavy stints going on like uh, are you seeing bucks
2: Well, he had, you had a, you've, he'd had had the moose draw, went hard for that. Yeah. Oh, I've I've had an, it's been an abysmal year (laughs) for what's in my freezer. But seeing that when I look back at, you know, starting from my archery at the beginning of the year for elk running into moose, man, I have had opportunities upon opportunities for the bulls Um leading into the moose and everything like i uh, within 20 yards 30 yards 40 yards um if it was rifle season man i'd have i'd have to buy more freezers but <laughs> it's just the the shit that i'm hunting down here is super thick especially with the moose i'm i'm not even up high with the moose in some like couple of the occasions i was um but even down below it, it was in the alder patches where i ended up bumping them and, you know, you can see them am playing his day, but to get an arrow through, because it was strictly archery during that time, it doesn't turn to rifle in my MU until uh, uh, October 15th. And then at that point, they just disappear until they're little tiny pockets. Right. And there's still zero snow. Like I think on my last trip out for maybe five kilometers of the road leading up there, the snow finally came down and I had about two or three inches that I could actually track with, but there wasn't a single track to be cut. So that gets tough when you can't even, you know, like put miles on the road looking for track coming across and then park the truck and then start hiking in.
3: Yeah.
2: Like there's just, there's nothing. We still have no snow. I went whitetail hunting tonight just for a quick drive. Cause I got four days off here starting Thursday. So I went up to an area that I know usually It's fairly active with deer. And I was like, oh, let's go for a drive. I just want to see tracks, see if they're in the same area. And once I got high enough, there was a little bit of snow. Um, But I bet you 90% of it is bare ground. And it's just like, well, frick, this
0: sucks.
2: (laughs) So I know where some stuff is, but it was also super. There's quite a few hunters up there. So I don't think I'm going to go up there. Got a couple other areas that I'm going to hike into, but because of my moose draw and everything, I haven't had cameras in these areas. They're they're old faithfuls, is how I like to call them. Okay, but I have. No well, you clue know, guys were getting
1: it done before the age of trail cameras.
2: Yep. So, we'll just see what's happened in there, and I'm just gonna pound ground. But we're yeah, we don't have any yeah. snow forecasted for for this the, next week. The so snow is
1: definitely there's definitely a lack of snow ev- everywhere, and it's funny like compared to last year. I know like we had snow before Halloween, which is unheard of. Yeah. Like we were out on, uh, I took the boys out with, uh, my dad on Sunday morning. And we were up high, like really high. And there was very little snow, an inch maybe at the most. Couldn't believe it. Where typically at this time of the year, you'd never even get in there unless you had a snowmobile.
2: Yeah. I remember that with your moose hunt last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To have a
1: snowmobile to get even to where you were there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And like, I I know when we, when I was hunting mule deer in October, we did a lot of glassing in areas where that in the past have always produced good mature bucks. We weren't seeing nearly the quality of bucks we've seen in all the years past. Okay. Um. So I had kind of have a feeling just talking to like. I know they had a hard winter too, um, up there where we are, where we, we typically hunt mule deer. And I have a feeling that, and it came fast too. So I, I, am kind of feeling like, you know, a lot of those big, those mature bucks, they might've got caught in that stuff and they might not have made the winter, you know, and just the length of the winter, like it was for, for here, for this, for, you know, Southern BC to have, a winter that starts in October and doesn't leave till April is unheard of. So that's a long winter for those deer to survive through. And it, we got into some pretty nasty temperatures.
3: Yeah. Uh, on December 3rd or 2nd, I can't remember exactly when I shot my mule deer, it was minus 28 that morning. Yeah. crazy. And yeah. yeah that, that's pretty cold. Um, for the area I'm hunting, you know, usually the cold days are, you know, minus twenty-one kind of, you know, that's when it's starting to be peeking out at what it gets for cold. And mm-hmm. see minus 28 at that point, And there's already there was a foot of snow right down through the breaks. You know, that's that's equaling a, a pretty tough winter. I'm I'm pretty sure. Um I'm hopeful that you know, we don't have you know, a huge impact on the bucks and that they are just coming down with the snow, slow coming, but you can't help but think that that winter was pretty tough, right? So
2: Yeah, for sure. I remember mule deer hunting and, well, we were both talking to each other at that time. And so it was, you know, probably November 5th to 9th-ish. And I remember it was minus 20 down here. Like something just flipped the switch and I've never hunted in minus 20 in The beginning of November. That's usually a December kind of deal.
3: Yeah, for sure.
2: So yeah, yeah. It a, was cold. It was haul.
1: unusually cold last year, and and just you know, lots of snow, and it just lasted. It was a really long hard winter. And I I know I've talked to, um, you know, really you know guys who put a lot of time and 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 in studying into winters and deer management and. Winter ranges and all that stuff, and you know, you talk to Robbie Denning, and he'll be the first. You know, first thing he says, the the biggest killer of mule deer is winter. So, um, you know, and I just can't help think that just seeing just the seeing the lack of qual like it. And if if it, I'd only been in there for a year or two, it might you might just think of it as okay, well, you know, maybe maybe last year was just a good year, but being in there enough now. And knowing the people I know that have been in there, you know, for decades now and hunting with the people that I hunt with. And they said, you know, this is, you know, this is really, really low for the buck numbers. Um, you know, the like the does, they'll stay down low. They'll come right down low. But, you know, the bucks, those bucks, they like to be up high. Even after the rut, they like to push back up where they're comfortable, mm-hmm. where they're safe. That's how they got big. They don't get big being, you know, down where they're vulnerable. So um yeah i just have a feeling it was just a a hard winter and you know i've been talking to a lot of guys in alberta too they are suffering the same thing really they're talking low mule deer numbers um you know they're just not getting the quality you know on on a province who breeds quality over over quantity or quality over um opportunity they're not there's they're kind of suffering the same thing we are here yeah.
3: It, and from the hunting perspective, like back to what Pete was kind of saying, and I think what I was trying to touch on too is snow is information. It's the best information you're ever going to get as a hunter, um, whether you're in a new area or an area that you're used to, um, you know, the snow makes finite timelines gives you really solid timelines of when things are happening. Cause if there's active snow the day before you get there, that gives you a timeline to when whatever sign you're seeing was happening. Um, It it gives you sort of that over, if you haven't had snow in quite a while, there's still a lot of information in snow uh, on the density of what, what's pushing around you, what's actually timbered up and, and not sort of out in your, your, picturesque, glassing spots, you know, that information can be valuable and can really change your strategy. But when you're sitting down with, you know, lower than normal numbers without the snow, you you do kind of feel a little lost on it because you're like, boy, I, I'm going just on experience and past, you know, mm-hmm. past hunts in this area more than the facts
1: of what's happening around me right now. So well exactly and that's just it it's all part of the process of hunting it takes those you have to go through things like that to adapt to them and then you know it might be maybe it's going to be like that for a year or two right and then you have to kind of like come up with a different game plan different strategy because like let's be honest like if it ain't broke you're not you're not going to worry about fixing it right if you're going out consistently getting it done and doing what what makes you successful when you're hunting you're going to keep doing it yeah yeah,
3: that that's experience at the heart of it. That is yeah. if it's working, once you figure a few things out and you get a few mm-hmm. things working, that, that's that's the struggle mim right now because I want to abandon what's worked for me at this time of year because I'm not seeing the same conditions. And that's where you you get stuck in the trap where you want to stand resolute with what's work what's worked for you. But you have to be, I think, to the point you're making, Kev. Is you you gotta adapt a little bit, and I'm, you know, like I think today I kind of really hit the trigger in my brain that I, I'm gonna push out a little bit different, a little bit higher. I got a a good setup that I can run, and uh, and then if that if that doesn't pay off or I'm getting similar results, then I will resort to the tail end of the season.
1: Back where I'm in my comfort zone. Yeah, well, and see, you have a if you do that, you push up high for a weekend. I mean, winter's coming; it's only a matter of time. It's going to come. So, I mean, fingers crossed. You go up there, nothing happens. I mean, I have a feeling that those bucks, um, they're still up high, and the and the does that are hitting estrus, they're just cruising up a little higher in elevation. They're moving up, and all the rut activities still. It's going on. It's just going on in the places where we don't like it to happen, where it's not conducive to hunting. You're not getting those good, you know, you're not seeing the bucks because not that they're not there. It's just because they're a little higher. I mean, like, you know, I, I think it's just one of those years. Yeah. You have to adapt and it's like, okay, we got poor weather conditions, like great living weather conditions, shitty hunting weather conditions. And then just coming through, coming off of a really hard winter, I think um, you know it's just just gotta adapt a bit and and try new constantly, just try new things, and until it works, right? And then, um, like you said, that's experience. Now, then, when those when this situation happens again, and I'm sure it's going to, you'll you know you'll you'll have all the knowledge for it. Couple gear
2: changes, yeah. Yeah. Then something else will happen. Like some predators will get thrown into your mix too. It'll <laughs> chase things around a bit. Yeah. The wolves that's, will. That's the what I found will. out this weekend. I went to my check on my whitetail spot. That's been sent Kevin a few pictures this year. All summer I've had cameras like, hey, this, I'm going to try this area. I'm going to learn this area. And I had enough time to go check cameras and, you know, pretty much a running gun kind of thing. Make my plan for the weekend. Got home, turned on the cameras. Or turn you know, played the SD cards and yeah. You got wolves coming in two days in a row. And I'm not saying they're killing anything. But we're definitely not seeing like they've changed the patterns of the deer for now anyway, because well one, they don't want to die. Yeah. <laughs> but for sure. they they've definitely changed up. Like even my hunting partner was on one side of you know, I worked down low, he worked way up high, and, and we saw nothing. And it was just like, just the other week, we knew that there was lots of does and I think we spotted like one doe when that was it. it
1: was yeah, they tough. definitely throw a wrench into your plans.
2: I mean, especially, you know,
1: when you're playing a calling game and animals know that there's wolves or a lot of predators heavy on the predators in that area, you don't get the same response in a, as you do in an area where, you know, the, the predator to prey ratio is a little more of what it should be naturally like you're not getting those elk aren't bugling as loud as or as often as they normally would if they're constantly getting harassed by el- our wolves so and the whitetails too it definitely changes the whitetail patterns when you have an area that's you know heavily populated with wolves or predators i find it's yeah it's a lot yeah
3: And when they're grouped up in the winter range, like last year, exactly what Pete was just saying, I'd hunted one weekend, seen 120 deer, lots of deer. I couldn't miss, even if you're a bad glasser, you're just hammering, you're just dook, 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 there's deer, there's deer. The next weekend I came in and right um, sort of on the way into camp, I'd noticed a pack, a wolf pack had come through, just crossed the through the timber, you know, and then I went down working down to the breaks next week and got my father-in-law with me, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, through the timber again, just, just, you could just see the pack sweeping through in multiple areas. We seen 10 deer in the Mm -hmm. exact same spot. So that just drives them back into the timber, drives them back up higher and into their, you know, little micro zones where they just like wolves don't get us here so we're going to be here well guess what we don't get them there either very often because it's it's in the nastiest of the nasty They, they they really go sheep brain and they they just get right into the
1: to the cliffs of the breaks and and hang tight yeah yeah they're definitely good at putting themselves in situations where they they won't get killed when they feel pressure that's for sure
3: Yeah. I mean, no, no doubt when the wave comes through, they, they, you know, they send a pretty loud message. They, they knock out a few numbers. I, I'm actually going out with the BC trapper society, um, this winter, I'm going to film a a wolf hunt with them. So I'm pretty excited to see that and to help contribute to, um, predator management in in some of the areas. It's pretty neat. Like looking like they had the provincial biologists and, um, you know, a bunch of people that have done aerial studies of the area, and they've done some predator management in the areas where, you know, to try and help balance, uh, particularly for moose, they were they were targeting, there were some areas where there was high predation on on the moose, and, uh, you know, the r- amount of recruitment they've seen just from their effort of, of one year uh, was amazing, and there's still wolves in the area, it's still know it's still all the ingredients are still there it's just there's certain areas where you know it just gets really intensely imbalanced um and and, you know and then the the moose can really struggle to recover from that so yeah yeah, sure. We need to see I'm looking to capture the whole story like I want to sit down with the CEO I want to sit down with the biologist so I, I want to sit down with the members of the BC Trapper Society and, and, and really dig in on the technical data that they're using to sort of um, just to get a better understanding uh, of what's happening because they're, they're real line are out there, you know, while we're hanging stockings and, and doing all our, our things. You know, they're still out there grinding on their sleds and 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 sort of keeping an eye on things. So I'll be pretty pretty interested to see what they gotta say.
1: Yeah, I was talking to at the uh Southern Interior uh sportsman show last year. I was talking to some of the trappers there and they were saying that they're just there isn't the trappers like they used to be. And I think it's kind of one of those dying trades. Um, unfortunately, where, you know, there's trap lines and guys just get too old to run them. And then the younger guys just don't want to do it because it's a lot of time. It's a lot of work. And I mean, especially with the fur prices being so shitty, um, there's really no incentive. And I mean, like you think, I mean, you're if you're going to do it, you're going to do it just because you love to do it, but you're not going to be as effective as you figure out doing it for a living because i mean now like let's face it with the price of fuel and price of these sleds and like everything else and then the low prices of fur it's like you're not making any money doing it
3: yeah it's almost like uh doing a hunting production or a podcast <laughs> you're, you're not you're not doing it for the money um no, no, you're, you're doing it for the betterment or, or to to just try and tell self-enjoyment story. Yeah, it's the personal satisfaction that you're going to get out of it. Um, and I, you know, I still think that lives in the BC Trapper Society, but but the generational gap between the the guys that were doing, and you're right, like the fur price and that all play a role when you're looking at the economics of it. But the only people that are going to be continuing to trap in, in our generation and next generations is you know people that are just bitten by the bug that that's what they want to do yeah and and, you know sure if they can contribute to their bills with that and then subsidize with another job it's a lifestyle that they're choosing more than you know it's i think gone are the days where you know you're going to um you know build their house in the okanagan and and get it all off for Like, I I just don't think that's there anymore.
1: No, I I think if you're going to, you know, the future of it will be, you're doing it just because you love to do it. And it's just basically extension of of the hunting season. I mean, I know I love getting out in January, February, and, you know, calling and taking the kids out hunting rabbits and stuff. You know, you're just waiting for spring bear to start. So, um, yeah, I I feel right there. It's just going to be an extent, like, the People that are going to do it are going to do it because they love to do it, but yeah, I'm not yeah. going to be looking at making a living with it for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, this weekend, same plan.
3: This weekend, uh, similar plan for sure. Same area, but,
1: same area, area
3: same area. I'm gonna knock up 300 meters, I think, or 300
1: yeah. feet to a little higher over three
3: to six hundred feet higher. So, up, up in that uh 13, 1600 foot range, um, I think I should be heading into the snow that's hitting in the area. Um, try that really hard this weekend. Um, you know, maybe squeak a bonus day in there if I need to. If things are looking good, it's going to be hard to pull me off the hill at this point. it's sort of going to be, uh, yeah.
1: it's it's gonna well I mean you know you got it done late last year yeah no I
0: know know. you never
1: did it and I've pulled deer in the past I mean it was a long time ago but I remember December 5th pulling deer out of region 3 so but we had a lot of snow and they were they were pretty low Uh, By
3: then they'll be forced down for sure Uh, like I'm banking on the fact that over the next two and a half weeks there's gotta be snow that's gonna hit to make it uncomfortable and then you know even though how the- many
1: times are you checking the weather app throughout the day
3: <laughs> uh I, there's no less than twice a day that i will look <laughs> at the weather <laughs> forecast in the area of that, app. It, it, yeah. that is an absolute fact
1: and oh yeah, man i, const- I constantly make- check the weather and i'm just hey i'm just sitting back waiting to go hunting so um i'm just waiting for you to get it done so and i'm constantly watching the weather I know, so i, could, I know I, could... <laughs> I know i i'm i
3: got you hung up there a little bit uh but yeah i just can't. No,
1: it's all good we're like fortunately enough region three is not far away and you're allowed a buck in region three and a buck in region eight so yeah. i mean uh i'm gonna save my region a tag but uh you know taking the kids out and spending time with with my dad their grandpa I mean, it's hard to beat those mo those opportunities when you get them. So uh, I do appreciate
3: you splitting your whitetail uh, regions up like that, uh, while the, while us lowly old mule deer guys are still out here slugging away for our
1: <laughs> for our one and doneer. Yeah, I'm telling. Like earlier, the better. I mean,
3: Oh, yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> hey, it's
1: not like earlier, and of- I mean early in the season. That's one thing I found about you know back to like really honing in on your skills and like your style of hunting. Cause everyone's style of hunting is differently and it's going to be more conducive. I find to quality animals. And like, I killed way bigger mule deer with a rifle than I ever have even had the opportunity of drawing back with on a bow, but I'm hunting completely different areas. Right. I mean, you know, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with the bucks that I'm taking with a bow. I mean, even the buck I got this year, you know, was a good, Nice, wide Dandy. 4 by 4 Dandy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's just, you're not like, you just got to, you got to, ex- like, I've just had to accept the fact that, you know, you're, I'm not hunting the high alpine in the early season. I'm hunting more like the mid, you know, the mid valleys and those bottom bucks, which they just don't produce as big of quality as bucks as you get in the fine that high thick timber. Right. Um, so... Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I really enjoy hunting, um, a, a little earlier. Um, but I, you know, having said that you got to be, we we're at pretty high, even, I think we were even at that time, we we're still a lot higher than where you are now. Um, so, um, but that's just the area, right? That area we're in, we're not, we're, we're basically hunting. We're not in that high thick stuff. We're, we're basically just below it hunting that stuff so you still get some flat you get in that sage you're getting those little those little areas of pockets of hay and stuff and the grass tall feeding grass um but and then that's when they're really predictable I find at that time, right um because they you know they're they're looking for you know we try to focus on a place where there's water um and it's just basically throughout the day, timing and figuring out what where the sun's going to be and what they're going to do because I mean you find it you early morning you find some some deer first thing you got to be looking for is where they're going to go where they're going to bed down because it's only a matter of time they're going to go to a spot where they can bed down and pretty much on a dime you could bet your you know you could bet your house that they're going to sit down there for a bit and as that sun moves around they're going to get uncomfortable they're going to get hot they're not gonna like the spot, so they're gonna get up and move. And usually when they move the second time, sometimes it's three times, but they're gonna get into a place where they're not gonna move. And that's when you you make your plan. Um but yeah, like I said, it's just not those areas are just not conducive to like those big to getting those bigger, high mass quality bucks that I still believe British Columbia produces because like we see you know, you, you see, especially with Facebook and Instagram now, you see some slobs, you know, once in a while, once a year, twice a year, three, you know, talk to, even when I went over to see my taxidermist there, when I dropped my last elk off, he had a pretty big muley in there. It was probably 190, wow, 190 you. class, you know? Yeah, so, we,
3: we definitely. Definitely it, we have them here. I think it, it's fairly unsung to be honest with you i i think we're we can be competitive with a lot of places that are very renowned for their buck quality i just think you know i i don't know it, it it's just the way we're hunting them we're going out we fill our tags early and you know you because you got to grind for those guys and you got to be able to, you got to be able to pass 150 bucks to get to that category and including myself there's there's not a lot of people that can
1: you know the thing about mule deer too is they're so hard like you can't pattern the damn things and so when you're doing your scouting or you see one cruising through that thick timber or he just happened to poke his head out and you got a glimpse of him he when he runs back when he moves back into that thick timber man and you know what it's like in there like you're like, for them, they're moving at three times the pace that we move. Because we are got to move over these trees and under these trees. And, like, you're soaking wet and it's thick and you're making noise. And it's like, man, that's why they go in there. And that's why I love, like, I'd love, like, I could just imagine the deadheads that would be sitting up in some of those those hillsides way up top. And all, you know, the 2,400, 2,600 meters. And maybe there's some bruisers up there. But, I mean, like. You never find them. I mean, like, sure, guys, you know, they're just hiking and randomly they'll, they'll come across it. But we don't, like, our topography is just so much different than you get, like, where you see that down in Colorado and Wyoming and, you know, places that Utah that, that produce big, good quality bucks. Not that, you know, not saying that we don't have them, but they're just, like you said, they're just so hard to track down, so hard to find, and so hard to keep your eyes on.
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh, that, that's that's it exactly. I mean, I think we have those class of animals. I think our terrain and timber types and that are conducive to bush feeding, even into the late season in a lot of areas. And bucks are smart. Like, they, they, like you say, they get big for a reason. And the reason, you know, when you're down shed hunting on the winter range, yeah, you can find great sheds, but uh, I I think it's true that you'll find that the 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 slobs are are dying up high. They're yeah. they're going back, they're they're not making it. They they might have got some right-in on their last year, but they're they're already pretty sickly and uh and they don't they just don't come down to die. They just they just shut her down, you know, yeah. somewhere somewhere mid-elevation and some hole, and, and that's where it happens.
1: Was it you that I was talking to about the pop of uh, Popeye that the yes, it was fam- <laughs> famous, uh, right. Wyoming buck? Mm-hmm. That one was apparently supposed to challenge the Burris buck, and it, nobody shot that thing. Um, you all right over there, Pete?
2: That was weird. You're getting hacked, maybe. No, what's work text. Oh, I see. Something just popped in. It was just weird. Yeah, I didn't expect my screen to go black or whatever happened. I've never seen that.
1: I, yeah, I thought maybe you were getting invaded there or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, so that buck, yeah, he just died of old age. And pe- like they have a picture, one or two pictures people got from him. The guys look for him hard. They hunted him hard, I guess, for like half a decade trying to find this buck. Never found him, but he just died of old age somewhere up on the hillside, right? I mean... <clears throat> you know and and like we've all we've all shot animals or are, are seen a carcass and like it doesn't stick around for very long you know no. once the, all the little all the little critters start pulling it apart and then the bigger ones they get on it they drag it somewhere it doesn't it doesn't stick around for very long but man <laughs> i i bet you like there's probably some real trophies sitting up in some of these hills of british columbia
2: yeah well, i don't doubt that
3: I mean, there's no doubt that the spring bears, they come out and part of their mainstay besides getting down low and getting into that is, is any of the carrion that's left around the hills for them to feed on They're they're cruising for that. Like they're, they're coming from, you know, kilometers and miles away to, to get in on, on those winter kills and, and then come in on the fawns after that, you know? Yeah.
1: I know like, like in this area around Vernon area, I know there was some. Um... You know, early on, um there were some really big quality bucks, and I I believe like the second I don't this I don't know if it's a BNC, but number two, I wanna say it's the number two B and C deer is from the Okanagan, but I'd have to look that up. It might be another score, one of the other scoring. Um, but it, you know, um, but we have those quality deer, and I know I think it was two thousand twenty one there was a deer I seen and it was about 240 and it was taken wow um oh yeah s- s- more towards kind of like between me and Pete that area um so I'm not gonna say where it was but uh no. between it, you, you know yeah it uh you know that that's a big deer like this thing was massive um you know yeah, to break that's... 200 when you break 200 for a deer it's amazing like just but yeah, you, you have to level. have yeah and you have to have it has to have all the characteristics right like it's got to have the big backs it's got to have it's got to have weight it's got to be thick you know what i mean like it needs a lot um
3: can't be weak it to once you're breaking 200 you know there's nothing about that animal that's gonna Show weakness and to go to no. 240, you're you're in the stratosphere. You're yeah. you're you're gone wild. Like 200s wild, right? Like yeah. it really is. I I think I one buck I seen last year. I, if I was guessing, I'd say he's, I'll I call him a 190, but but he might have been getting around the the 200 for sure. He was really perfect, typical 11 inch fronts, 11 inch backs, huge mass little brow tines, just a beast, 30 inches wide, 29 wide, 31 wide, whatever he was. He's just, he's just that magazine called the animal.
1: Yeah. Uh, I I have one deer over 200. I have another one I haven't scored. And I'm convinced that's over 200 as well, but I just don't want to score it because I just hate, I hate scoring those things. Like it's, it's nice to have, have a general idea and even if it's not 200 if it's 200 in your head not good enough for me it's a
3: good enough term of reference for me too i have you know i'm i could i've been a devout meat hunter for almost my entire existence and and then you know it's only recently where i'm like okay not necessarily the score matters but the class of animal matters to me personally like i I would like to just find some exemplary examples of a couple different species of this province and uh you know and and say I done that yeah that's what it is I want to say I done that I worked hard and I I passed up on things that that didn't meet that and it doesn't mean it's 200 it may be far under 200 but it's it's just going to hit me when I see it I'll know what I what I need to see I think so
2: I say yeah. it's all in the angles. Yes. Well, of for the pictures. <laughs> how, true a okay. how, how true is that? Joe guy. Joe guy on there too. And <laughs> a little mini Ash. I love. <laughs> yeah, I'll, just,
3: I'll just be back there. Patting the hind quarter. Yeah, right
1: like this. You're sitting there like this. They yeah. You yeah. can barely touch. Oh, oh yeah. You got your right. hand yeah. just barely. That's right. <laughs> well i'll put it I, I, yeah. okay there you go i'm touching the deer yeah. laying out full behind and not big guys to begin with and it's funny like <laughs> so like the, the elk i shot in september was a lot bigger than the one i shot in alberta and i showed pete a picture of the elk i shot in alberta and he's like holy fuck that thing's fucking huge and like i always take my pictures i'm always up close i don't like standing way behind it like just touching it or trying to get a fingernail on the antler or trying to touch holding on its tail or you got its leg dragged 12 feet behind it or whatever right i like like it is what it is but yeah that one picture i have of the elk it looks like it's on it so that elk it's got really good what is that right side is really good So sure enough, like the guy, and like most of the time when I'm hunting, I'm hunting by myself and like, you know this, Ashley, like I don't give a flying fuck about pictures. I don't care about pictures after I really, I'm just like, fuck it. Like whatever, like the things laying on the ground, I'll take a picture. So I took a picture of that elk I shot in September and it's laying on the ground and it it doesn't, it doesn't look that big.
2: doesn't justify it.
1: No. And then you see the elk I shot, you know, in Alberta and just the way I'm standing and the way that, and I had another guy taking it, right? So he could get down lower and, like, and, like, he was, like, he had, like, he was sitting there, like, click, 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 click. No, hold on, hold on. Go like this. Click, click, click. And I'm, like, okay, fuck it. Like, you know what I mean? Like. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so um but my. My elk in September was a lot bigger, but yeah, and like and it's funny because I show Pete that picture and he's like, Holy fuck, that's a good bull! and then I show him another one. He's like, Oh, oh, oh it looks a that... lot bigger than the other one. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> it's, it's all about the angles it's It true. is, oh, it's, it's like...
3: funny because I'm the same way. Like, uh, even my buck last year, even though I, you know, like I i just went to work, you know, sure, I i took video, of course, and nerd out on that, forget all about, you know, setting up, uh, my camera to take photos and whatever so I get to the get home with this thing and I'm like to my wife hey uh, let's take a picture of me with this buck in the backyard and I and I I wasn't doing anything to sort of like you know I I was just sort of holding them my elbows were touching my ribs you know kind of thing and there he is but she's shorter than me and downhill from me and a couple of the pictures the thing looked like bro, he looked like way better you know like yeah. well you know and, and then but uh you know it just happened that I liked a couple of those pictures the best so I posted one and and that's one guy accused me of being like oh you're just you know what why don't you hold your arms straight out there buddy kind of I was like yeah. dude I wasn't it was that's just I'm lucky. I have a little slope in my backyard. My wife's shorter, so she's shooting up. I don't know. It looked good, so. I you
2: know. just don't. I just don't get that. If you like the picture, hit like. If you yeah. don't, keep on scrolling. Yeah. Uh, guess well, what? I, I don't give a fuck, do. fuck what you want. What you say. Yeah.
3: Like, I actually oh. DM'd him too, and just said, "Hey, dude. Like, I'm, dude. I'm just a, no, a Everybody. You, right? you take yeah,
1: that? take. But you're school. the kind of guy that I. I feel like you probably. You probably like like you probably answer all those dms and like you 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 take the time to reply and do all that stuff and like i just well, feel like lucky. you're the personal guy that that you you do that
3: i've been and lucky you, uh it's true uh like that you're bang on absolutely uh but i have a limit too like i'm not I'm not going to get trolled and, and let it bother yeah. me. It's just yeah, going to yeah. jump into the see you later basket. But I, I just was personally, like, amused to the point where I was like, dude, like, I, I'm not trying to glorify this more than what it was, uh,
0: you know. There, just-
1: there isn't a post, I don't think. Like, every post, there's always some fucking idiot that has something to say about it. <laughs> it's just, it,
3: it I don't understand because I'm not bitten with the idiot bug where I want where i want to say something even if someone is overly glorifying even if their deer looks like a hippopotamus sitting in front of them i don't care I a good good funny haha you, you you know that that deer looks bigger than it is i can tell no big deal great Congra-
2: do, congratulations
3: congratulations yeah congratulations yeah the story do whatever but- you want yeah and and thanks for sharing by the way That like let's yeah. get a little out there who cares Shit. well
1: yeah I, yeah i mean and and like you know instantly and so like yeah move on yeah it's funny but like you could tell like if the bow is out in front of it and you're smaller than the bow it's like okay well you know but yeah i mean like yeah. like or don't like and move on fuck who cares yeah
3: yeah for sure but at the
1: end of the day yeah, I mean, it's cool to see people shoot big shit. And, like, that's all for the hunter. It's not really for anyone else. And that's why I hate, that's why I really, those grip and grins really, fight. like, I, I don't do them somewhat because it's like, well, what I'm going after isn't necessarily what somebody else is going after. And, like, how much hunting time I get to hunt, isn't the same as somebody else and like the animals that when you get into taking bigger class animals it's a reflection of how much time and effort not that you want to put in or maybe it is what you want to put in but that you have available to put in because a lot of people don't have the same i mean i don't have the same amount of time as i i I still have a lot of I, i still get to go hunting lots but i don't go near i don't get the opportunity to go do the kind of scouting and do what I used to do there's no like because I have kids and I have obligations now and like it's apparent I'm not pulling out I'm not getting the class of animals that I that I was before especially with mule deer you know what I mean I feel like with elk elk are a little different if there's a bull a good bull in that area he's going to be in that area like in BC you can't just be like okay that's six like I've done this like uh, I passed on a six by five but like He was just a six by five, like just legal six by six, six by five. And I knew there was a bigger six by six in that area. I never seen that bigger one, but like outside of that, I like, you're not going to pass up on a big, like on a six by six that you called in be like, oh no, he's, he's too small, too, too small. Yeah. It just so happens like that year, the genetics or that bull moved in and he took over the herd that you're hunting. But, you know, elk are a little different or completely different than mule deer. I mean, you know, they're vocal. They're, you know, they're a lot, they're a lot, lot different than hunting mule deer. But I find like when you're hunting mule deer, it's, you got to put the time into like to get those bigger class, you got to spend a lot of time scouting. And to do that, you got to sacrifice a lot of stuff at home and, you know, um, it comes down to like, I was on, um. Beyond the Kill podcast the other day, and we were talking about time, and you know it it rang true. It's like you only have so much time, and like if you're spending more time doing one thing, if you're spending more time concentrated on hunting, you're not spending the time you need to with your family and your kids and with work. And it's like you only have a hundred percent. So if you're giving seventy five to hunting and the outdoor or whatever it is you're chasing, you're only giving twenty five to work and home and um, it is what it is. Right. And then, so, but back to like the grip and grins, like those are all our, sorry, um, quality of deer. And it's like, it's all like, it's all in perspective. And that's why I hate those. I, I not that I hate them. I just like, I, I tend try to steer away from them myself is because everyone's situation is different and it's not supposed to be about the picture for Instagram with your deer it's supposed to be about your experience and the people you're out there doing it with and sharing it with and 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 all that rather than just
2: you know what you're taking I'm, home or what kind of picture you're getting i'm glad to hear that because that's all i've got is pictures of my experience yeah <laughs> well, there's hey, no you know, i got i got a
3: whole i got a whole youtube channel dedicated to the experience <laughs> you
1: don't know, act eh. But I think, but and the thing calls. is, you guys are still, you guys still go out and you still do because you love it, yeah, right? You love it, yeah, so, I love it a lot more a than test
3: of, just a grip and grin,
1: yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, and you know, there's nothing wrong with going out and just targeting big animals. I mean, that's part of the challenge, right? I mean, if that's but when you're compared, like, don't the, the comparison is what I, you know, is, is to me, it kind of is one of the things i don't like it's just the comparison and like everyone has to feel like oh you got to shoot big bucks to be accomplished hunter no you don't i mean like some of the most accomplished hunters i know like they're not they're not horn hunters they're meat hunters some of the best
3: hunters i know the same uh, for sure and and as for a creator from me my perspective um i guess i'm i'm a creator of some sort but uh, i'm you know i like the rest of it i like the rest of it i love the friends that, and i love capturing it i not not only love it experiencing cuz i really do i just think it's worth capturing and worth putting out there and hey you you can just you know move on if you if you're just looking for the glory shot that's cool like that's that's understandable we all get satisfied by seeing that a beautiful harvest a 60 inch moose everyone loves it you know you're going to love it but you know everyone loves seeing their buddy with his rubber boots overflown in the moose swamp too you know everyone loves that stuff
1: oh yeah they, 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 but,
3: but you know few people are trying to capture it so I'm I'm the wet rubber boot guy like that's we need
2: that we need oh, absolutely that and you talk to anybody who's been hunting for a long period of time and you know spent a lot of time in hunting camps yeah they'll tell you a couple stories about some great. Bucks or bulls or whatever, but the shit that's coming out when the drinks start going, it's the shenanigans that have happened over the last 20 years. Yeah. It's not the kill shot. It's no, it isn't. You remember that rubber boot guy? Yeah, <laughs> you remember that time he did this or that? That's what you remember. That's the best times. And if your kids or your wife or your you know, just family in general or friends, like that's that's what it's all about. It's so true, it's so true. Yeah, I agree, one
1: hundred percent. Well, buddy, um, I guess we'll wrap it up. Sounds uh, good. I know you probably got lots to do. It's Tuesday, so you got what two more days, and you're back after two or three when you head out Thursday, Friday, two and a
3: half there, and then I'll be uh, vacating and
1: going for it, and then. So, what at what point of the week do you feel like a zombie? uh monday like uh, (laughs) like it it, it, that
3: there's there's no question in my mind that my attention span in this time of the year is greatly interrupted by the pursuit and the the capture and, and sort of like the whole the whole stew that i'm mixing up it's like i'm so deep in it it's not even funny
1: kind of thing yeah yeah so but i mean yeah, I mean I I I I think this weekend's going to be your weekend. You're going to get it done. It's only a matter of time, right? Like you're at the point now, like same with Pete, like you guys have been going so hard that it's just it, and that's the thing about any like not just hunting, but anything you do in life is like it, it's those points that like like I was saying earlier, like it's easy to stay motivated, motivated when things are going well, but when things aren't going well and everything is working against you. It doesn't matter what you're doing. doesn't matter if you're hunting or playing sports or at work or whatever. It's when everything is going against you and you just keep staying in a positive mindset and you keep pushing and you keep just focusing on the things that are in your control. And you just keep doing all the things that you know you have to do. And you just keep going day in, day out, day in, day out. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, it happens and it's fucking awesome. And it's like, there's no, you forget like you wouldn't want it to happen any other way like you you embrace all the suck and you're you're happy that it was it was so hard because it just makes the reward that much sweeter oh yeah
3: so true like crazy gold miners out there with just a pickaxe trying to trying to make it happen and when it happens it's like (laughs) <laughs> i knew it
1: i knew yeah, i was yeah. gonna and I just because they, they just, just hang didn't in there quit. it was only a matter of time they just don't quit, quit. Keep, yeah keep
3: picking away man you're gonna get there yeah
1: yeah for sure okay guys thanks okay, a lot cheers. of actually. have a good right one on. right on okay see you pete have a good one
3: So it's fun to go with like just full blown redneck on these fish. This is like high
1: tech cane pole fishing right
0: here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chase in the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.